This morning's reading can be found on page 1873. It is taken from the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to the end. A call to persevere. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. 
quiet quitting is a trend that has come to the fore in the last year or so. For those of you who don't know what it is, quiet quitting is when an employee puts in a minimum amount of effort required at a job just to get through the day and avoid getting fired. Now, whilst the original intent was perhaps to find some sort of work-life balance, one of the downsides of quiet quitting in any job is that the employee not only disengages from their work, but also from their co-workers, and disillusionment, disengagement and isolation spread to other parts of their life, particularly relationships. Today's Lent theme is giving up, giving up. Now, as we're all here today, we would perhaps consider that this isn't the talk for us. However, the Bible does have an awful lot to say about not giving up, and we're going to look at the passage in a minute, which encourages us to not give up. Now, like me, you may be well wondering, well, what is it that I mustn't give up? In fact, I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this. Is it praying, reading my Bible, becoming more patient, being kind to my spouse, giving to the poor, coming to church, forgiving my enemies and my friends, talking about Jesus? The list could go on and on and on. But like New Year's resolutions, we can quickly give up, exhausted and overwhelmed when we're trying to do all these things and more. Fortunately for us, Jesus summarised the list into something far more manageable that we can get our heads around. In Mark chapter 12, in response to a question from a religious leader, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second law is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So that's it. We must just not give up on loving God and our neighbour. That's it. Simple command, simple solution. Let's go. Except it isn't. The answer is simple, but putting it into practice day after day, that's the tough bit. So let's look at today's passage, which I think was written for Christians who had quietly quit. Quit studying their scriptures, quit praying, quit meeting together regularly. All those quiet things that nobody else around us would know if we stopped doing them. After all, we can coast it. We can turn up here on Sunday, say the words on the screen, let our minds wander through my talk, any talk, through the prayers, chat about trivialities with our friends. Who would know? Nobody will know that we're actually disengaged, disillusioned, and on our way out the door. So let's examine this passage from the perspective of a Christian who has all but given up on Christ. The first slot is verses 19 to 22. I don't know if you're able to bring it up, Julie, at all. Brilliant, thank you. Perhaps the hardest thing to do when we've drifted away from God is to turn around and come back. Yet these verses assure us that we can indeed be welcomed. Look at verse 19. We can confidently enter. 
Verse 20, Jesus opened a life-giving way. And verse 22, we can draw near to God. The New Living Version says we can go right into the presence of God. Isn't that fantastic? True, we must repent of all the things that we've done in turning away from God in the first place. But still, we can freely access God at any time. Now, for some of us, it's hard to accept that we have indeed been truly forgiven and the slate has been wiped clean. We go over the stuff in our heads and convince ourselves that Jesus could not and would not forgive us. The other possibility is that we may have tried this with our spouse or our friends. We said or did something and instead of apologising, we keep out their way and then when we see them, we act really nicely. Applying the same idea to God, we go with the idea that if we just avoid God and keep our head down and hope he doesn't notice us for a week or two, then he'll probably have forgotten our sins and we're good. But both of these these things are terrible lies that stop us from persevering on our journey with Christ. However, as theologian R.C. Sproul once said, True Christians can have radical and serious falls, but never total and final falls from grace. In other words, there is always a way back. The door is always open. We have a memorable example in King David, a man after God's heart, whose litany of sins included adultery and murder, yet he died with a deep and abiding faith. Let's move on to the next section. Verse 23 summarizes the first thing that we need to hold on to to avoid quitting on God. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, God always keeps his promises and we must remind ourselves of that regularly. Very recently, I sensed God challenging me as to why I wasn't claiming his promises. Not in some prosperity gospel sort of way, name it and claim it. Rather, I'd been digging deep into my own reserves and not relying on God to fulfill his promises. As I considered this, I came to the rather ugly realization of what I was actually doing. If I didn't rely on God to keep his promises, then I wouldn't have to be disappointed that when I, what I was asking for didn't happen. Now, we can go all through the thoughts of, well, that wasn't the right timing or God's will, but that was not the point that God was making. If I or we do not rely on God or trust his word, we're not going anywhere. Trust is at the heart of every relationship, especially one with God. And without trust, we quit. So point one, if we're quietly quitting or giving up on God, we need to remember and trust that God is who he said he is. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is faithful and he keeps his promises and he'll never let us go once we belong to him. Let's look at verses 24 to 25. To avoid giving up on our Christian lives, we need to take our eyes off ourselves and our wants and our expectations 
and think about the rest of our Christian family. And these next two verses give us two really good things to concentrate on. Firstly, we need to spur one another on to good deeds or acts of love and good works. But why do we need to encourage one another? Can't we just get on with our own Christian lives? Certainly, modern Western Christianity is very insular. It's my faith, my walk, my relationship, none of your business. But that was never the original intent. Yet we all, Yes, we all stand before God as individuals and are judged as such. But the Christian life is meant to be a family affair. Well, firstly, the Bible tells us to encourage and serve one another. And it's very easy to slip into selfish mode and expect that all acts of service be turned towards our personal benefit. So we do have to be stimulated to serve one another for the sake of Christ. And in so doing, we will hopefully become more like Christ as we build one another up. So how do we encourage one another? Well, one of the most uplifting ways within St. John's has to be home groups. I've been part of five home groups over the last 20 or so years that I've been here and have to say that although every single one has been very different in style and content, the one thing that they all have in common is that they have been a place of encouragement and growth. In fact, I wouldn't be standing here today without the support and encouragement of home groups. Home group leaders offering me the opportunity to learn my lead a Bible study, though I have to say my first one was 12 minutes, door to door, nobody had chance to breathe or think, but I got through it. (laughs) By the grace and will of the, the leaders, they taught me to slow down and listen, and everybody works in different ways, and things have improved since then. But home groups are a place to challenge our beliefs, to discover our own potential, and more importantly, to be a place where we can walk alongside one another on our journeys of faith. Now, one thing I love about this church is that it is a safe place to fail. If we're not afraid of getting things wrong, trying new things in new ways, encouraging people to grow, whether in places of leadership or sharing our faith with a friend or forgiving our friends' mistakes and failures, then we can grow as a family, as a body of Christ. Our mission statement right here is together to make Christ known. Now together means all of us, every single one of us sharing the load, not just a few people doing all the work. We're in this faith journey together and there is space for every single one of us in this family to make Christ known. Together is an important part of verse 25. We need not to neglect meeting together. Obviously, we're all here today. But the early church met together far more often than we do, oftentimes every day, even when they were persecuted. Now, I'm not suggesting that Tom introduces services every single day, morning, afternoon, and evening. But as far as we are able, we need to be regularly here whether it's for services, home groups, prayer meetings. This keeps us encouraged and accountable. A bit like going to the gym. You can skip the odd session, 
But when it becomes a habit, then you're not going to get fit, you're not going to be encouraged, and you're not going to persevere. So, point one, remember who God is and trust him rather than ourselves. Point two, love your neighbour as yourself by meeting together regularly and encouraging one another. Let's go on to verses 26 to 31. Now, for some of us, the carrot approach of encouragement is all we need to keep on our faith journey when we want to quit. But for the more stubborn of us, a stick rather than a carrot is far more effective. And this is what these verses do. These verses remind us that if we want to persist in going our own way, doing our own thing and focusing on our own well-being and happiness, forgetting God, then the Lord God will indeed judge us. As verse 31 says, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you have never read or heard the sermon Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards, I would certainly recommend it. It is a powerful reminder of what befalls those who choose not to follow Christ. Sometimes we need an angry God to get us back on track. And I have to say, I have experienced this. A while back, I got really fed up with myself. I was making no progress. My sin list was boring and repetitive, and I was hacked off. Not a good place, not good theology. However, I went to God and said, I think we should just call it quits. Obviously, I'm just no good at this Christian mark. So... At the end of the day, you do your thing and I do my thing. Now I know from here I have told you many times that there is no middle ground. There's heaven and hell. But that day I decided that I was special, I was different and I was right. Fortunately, God is God and he is right. And as I was walking down the road of an evening bemoaning my my lack of progress to super-Christian, I had this sense of being surrounded by an angry god of a a wall of flames. Safe to say I made it home very rapidly and never brought the subject up again as I scuttered back in to staying within God's kingdom because I realised and I knew that if you're not in God's kingdom, you're out and that is not a good place to be. So, point one, remember who God is and trust him. Point two, love your neighbour as yourself. Point three, quitting God leads to eternally terrible consequences. Let's get to the final verses, 32 to 39. You remember those early days when you first became a Christian? The joy of knowing Jesus spilled out from you. All you wanted to do was tell everybody about Jesus. And you didn't care what other people thought. Well, we don't currently face the persecution that we see in these verses. However, as we watch the news, we see how things are playing out. Christians arrested in this country for silently praying outside abortion facilities or arrested for misgendering. We're not far away from being marginalised and persecuted. Still, this passage concludes by reminding us again not to throw away our confident trust in the Lord and to remember or look forward to the great reward we will enjoy when we stand before God and he finally says, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. In this series, we've been encouraged to give up our expectations, our prejudices, and our enemies. And today, we need to give up on giving up following Christ. In other words, we need to persevere. Now, it doesn't matter whether we walk with God as Adam did in the garden, or whether we wrestle with God as Jacob did at Peniel, or even if we run the race that's set before us as Paul did. We have no choice but to persevere. Even that wonderful Mother's Day video reminds us to keep going when things are hard. Now, some of you are leading the way in persevering on your Christian journey. When you share with us your testimonies of what Jesus has done in your lives, how he's healed you, kept you from harm, answered your prayers, carried you, you are showing us the way forward. You're encouraging us. From our viewpoint, you're walking with God, held, head held high, confident in who you are in Christ. So we could do with your encouragement. Some of us are struggling with perseverance today. Our journey feels rather like that teddy bear that's loved by a child, grabbed by the ankle and dragged up the stairs, head bumping on every step. Persevering in your faith in God seems to bring more pain and heartache than joy. If that is you today, then I have good news. God is doing something amazing in and through you. If all you can do today is stand on the promises of God, if you can say, despite all evidence to the contrary, despite my circumstances, you, O God, are faithful and you will never leave me and never forsake me, then you are doing all that is needed. You will be rewarded. God's promises are true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Perhaps the words of Peter are appropriate for you here. When Jesus asked the disciples if they too were leaving him, as many of his followers were, Peter said, To whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. We can leave, but we've nowhere to go. We can quit, but we need to keep on persevering. There's one final piece of good news. We're not alone. God has provided his Holy Spirit to enable us to persevere. The Holy Spirit is doing all the heavy lifting. Philippians 1 put it this way. God, who began a good work in us, will complete it. In other words, God will not let us quit. Christian author J.R. Packer once wrote, you're not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. Let me say that again. You are not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. Now, many of our friends and loved ones have already finished their race and entered into the joy of the Lord. And they are certainly happier than we are now. But... They are no more secure than those of us who are stumbling, bumbling, wandering, struggling, 
trusting and persevering as believers today. So let us take comfort that by the help of the Holy Spirit, we need only persevere for a little while longer, for our God is returning. We see it in verses 37 to 38. It confirms this. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. We have so much to look forward to if we can just keep our eyes on Jesus and obey his commands. And in the words of Isaiah, chapter 35, we will enter Zion with singing, with everlasting joy will crown our heads. Gladness and joy will overtake us and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you never let us go. Your promises are true and we can trust and hold on to every single one of them. We thank you for this body of Christians who love one another, who persevere together. I pray today that by your Holy Spirit, you will encourage us to stay firm in our faith. Hold us when we fall. Be right beside us. And we ask that you will truly never let us go. Amen.